Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Nina Mani, my name is Gloria Strzelecki and I'm the Assistant Curator of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Art here at the Art Gallery of South Australia. Now, can everyone hear me? Okay, wonderful. I'd like to just by, uh, begin by acknowledging that the gallery stands on Ghana country and I pay my respects to elders past, present and future. So, today I'll be speaking to you here in Gallery One on the exhibition Buna Bunanga, Aboriginal Agriculture in the Southeast of Australia. Before I begin, however, I just want to congratulate Nikki Cumston, the curator of this year's Tarnandi. Um, this year's Tarnandi uh, has over a thousand artists with 35 performances and exhibitions across 30 different sites. Here at the gallery alone, um, 16 spaces have Tarnandi works, and we're really lucky to be able to include Gallery One in the display. So we thank Elle Freak and Tracy Locke for allowing us to use Gallery One of the Elder Wing of Australian Art to showcase this really important exhibition. Nikki, unfortunately, is unable to be here today because she's already working on Tarnandi 2020. She's currently in France, and so stay tuned for an international component of Tarnandi. I also want to congratulate Jonathan Jones, who's the curator of this exhibition. Um, it was a real privilege to work alongside Jonathan on this exhibition, and I must say that he opened my eyes to so many works in our collection that had dual meanings and dual stories. So I'm quite thankful for that opportunity. And I must say, he gave me one of the best gifts I've ever received, which is a copy of Dark Emu. And if you haven't read it, I do recommend you do, because it sits on top of my bookstand near my bed, and it's a constant resource for me. So, thank you all as well for joining me today on your lunch break. I was just commenting to the girls that I'm already hungry, so I don't know about you. Um, so, thank you all for joining me today. Um, I will talk a little bit about the exhibition and all its components, and I'll throw in a, bit, a few tidbits around um, the installation as well for your interest, um, because this is an unusual exhibition um, in that we have included a few things that are very different, and I'll go into that a bit later. So what are we looking at in here? Well, this exhibition, Buna Bunanga, Aboriginal Agriculture in the Southeast, is an exhibition that's been curated by Gamilaroi Wiradjuri artist, curator Jonathan Jones. Now, is this a bit too loud? I feel like it's just a bit loud for me. No? Okay. Just maybe on our side, it feels like we're getting a bit, sorry. So, as I was saying, the exhibition was curated by Jonathan Jones. And this exhibition tells the story of Aboriginal agriculture in this country through the inclusion of works of art, but also Aboriginal made and used agricultural tools. This exhibition includes tools such as the digging sticks, the shovels, grinding stones, and the little known Bogan River pick, which I'll talk about a little bit later. 
We have works on loan from major state institutions, such as the National Gallery of Victoria. And we also have works on paper, such as the little wedge book in Showcase One. And I'll go into that work because it's a very important work in this exhibition. It might be small, but it tells a very big and important story. So the exhibition here, as I mentioned, looks at Aboriginal agriculture through works of art and tools, but there is a sister companion exhibition at the Museum of Economic Botany, which tells the story through plant specimens from the herbarium's collection, and also through large-scale grinding stones. And I say large-scale because Jonathan told us that one weighed 400 kilos, but actually it weighed 1.2 tonnes. So it's very large. So, so I can get a bead um, of all of your interaction with this exhibition. Who spent some time in here already really immersing themselves? So I'd say half of you. And who's popped over to the Museum of Economic Botany? Oh, less, okay. And did anyone attend the talks over the opening weekend? Okay. Well, I thought I'd be repeating myself today, but I think I won't be, so um, let me get into it. So, Buna Bunanga actually means abundance in Wiradjuri. And during the opening weekend, Jonathan Jones, Bill Gamage, and Zena Cumston all spoke of the word abundance being an unusual word in the sense when describing Aboriginal people and culture. Because it was often thought that Aboriginal people were hunter-gatherers. But what was really evident from the research of Bruce Pascoe through Dark Emu and Bill Gamage's The Greatest Estate was that Aboriginal people had a very complex way of managing and maintaining the land here, but also the waterways. And so the word abundance you could actually use to explain what this country was like prior to European settlement. However, this abundance was not a passive abundance. It was an abundance that was carefully managed and maintained. And this was done for countless generations. And we can see this not only in the works of art, but in some of the statements made by some of the earliest explorers and settlers such as Thomas Mitchell, oh, actually not Thomas Mitchell, let me start with Captain Charles Sturt, who actually mentioned that when he camped with 300 to 400 Aboriginal people, he witnessed the women using grinding stones to grind seeds. And the sound he likened to women working in a loom factory. And so the grinding stone itself is a very important component in this exhibition. Not only is it a direct link to the first visual records, but also the first written records of agriculture in this country. And you'll see a grinding stone in this showcase, but also in the showcase uh, toward the west, western wall. And these grinding stones, while they've been dated to about the turn of the 19th century, may actually be older because the oldest grinding stone found in Australia is actually 32,000 years old. And it was found in Cuddy Springs in New South Wales. 
And it was dated because there was some fine seeds that had been embedded in the actual stone. So this has enabled researchers and other archaeologists to be able to suggest that Aboriginal people are some of the oldest known bakers in the world, predating the Egyptians. As I mentioned, the grinding stones are also integral to the Museum of Economic Botany exhibition. So please do have a look over there because while these ones were made um, by an unknown maker, the ones at the museum over at the Botanic Gardens are made by Jonathan Jones. Jonathan has included some specimens of plants here which he has collected himself. And they include plants such as the kangaroo grass, the wattle seed, the kwandong. But really, the kangaroo grass uh, and the murnong are two of the star plants, really, in this exhibition. And you'll see large displays of the dried kangaroo grass behind me. And the kangaroo grass was said to be one of the most prolific plants in Australia in 1788. It is drought tolerant, resistant, and makes what I'm told a very delicious bread. Jonathan's still to bake me some. But apparently it has a nutty flavor to it. So the kangaroo grass and other seeds that have been included in this exhibition have been done with great care. As many of you probably are frequent visitors to the gallery will notice that we don't often have plant specimens on display. And we've done so with quite a lot of um, consultation with Art Lab to be able to include them in this display because it is important to the curatorial rationale. The other reason is because many of us don't actually know what these plants look like. And I must say that I was ashamed that I didn't know what kangaroo grass looked like or even the murnong, which brings me to perhaps talk about the Murnong, which is the yam daisy. So this is what a yam daisy looks like, and I'll go into this wall treatment later, but the yam daisy, or the Murnong, is a root vegetable type plant that resembles, what well, can be cooked like a potato. So it can be baked, but it can actually, I think, be eaten raw and was a staple of many Aboriginal people's food sources. And it was Thomas Mitchell, actually, who commented on arrival, seeing plains of yellow fields. And when I read that statement, it made me think of the canola that we grow now. And he noted that these fields were covered in yellow. And if you look to this little painting here, behind this lovely lady. <laughs> um, this work is on loan from the Benella Art Gallery. And to the left of it, you'll have to probably get up quite close, you'll see a field of yellow. This painting is titled Cattle Muster and it's by Eugene von Gerard. And he depicts a small portion of the Murnong still growing on country. What he also shows is the degradation that has happened to the soil already through the introduction of the hooven animal. So here we have the cattle that has already damaged the soil through its hooves, but also has eaten the murnong.
This painting was painted only 12 years after Mr. Dawson took ownership of this land and shows how quick the management of the land um, was destroyed. So if we have a look um, in the little showcase um, to the back of the room, you'll see John Helder Wedge's field book. And I mentioned this book briefly because it shows a small drawing of women harvesting the Murnong. It is one of the oldest examples or known works that depict women actually harvesting the Murnong. The women have digging sticks, much like the ones on the walls, and as they harvest, they place the Murnong in their baskets. Jonathan has also included the Kulamons here to show how also the Murnong were harvested. He's also cast some Murnong for us to see um, using bronze, and he collected the specimen himself uh, with Zena Cumston on a field trip. So we're very fortunate to have that work on paper here in the gallery. Not only is it a loan from the State Library of Victoria, but it's a work on paper. And for you, um, for those who are quite frequent visitors to the gallery, you may have noticed it's quite dark in here. And that is because light is not a friend of works on paper. We very rarely show works on paper here in the Elder Wing, and when we do, it is for a short amount of time. So it's been a very considered um, component. Um, light has been turned down in here, and we've also placed a special film over the lanterns so that we can show some of these really small but important watercolours and drawings. So going back to the Murnong and the kangaroo grass, we see both in this wall paper treatment on the walls. And this wallpaper was created by Jonathan in consultation with um, Kate Bouchard. And together they came up with this design to show what the Murnong looks like with its edible root, but also this dandelion-like flower, which is also edible. Next to it is the seed head when it goes to flower. And this here is the kangaroo grass. And Jonathan thought it was really important to include a wallpaper, very much like the 19th century tradition in homes to have wallpapers. And you see the Morris wallpaper in Gallery 3B, which Elle and Tracy have included in their display. And this was really, um, I would say, prolific in colonial homes. But the difference is that they included European plants. And as I mentioned before, I was quite ashamed that I didn't know what a yam daisy or a kangaroo grass looked like. I'm sure many of you also um, aren't as familiar with some of the native plants as you would be with an ivy or an acanthus or even a fleur-de-lis. So what Jonathan's done here is try to bring these flowers into our consciousness. The wallpaper itself was quite a... Um, prolonged process as well. Um, as I mentioned, the light in this gallery was a consideration for us. So too were the historical walls. And so we had to find a fabric that we could print an original design on, but one that would also maintain the original integrity of these walls. 
so that after the exhibition, we could return them to um, their previous condition. So maybe I'll talk about one of the um, tools, such as the Bogan River Pick, because it is one that um, has very rarely actually come out of music, uh, museum collections. And this is because it's slightly shrouded in mystery still. And through the research of um, Bruce Pascoe, but also Jonathan has spent a lot of time in museums researching for himself what these mysterious objects are used for. So I'm looking at these large round-like objects in all the, there's an example in the first two showcases and they're titled Bogan River Picks only because of where they were found or unearthed. When they were first found, they were thought to have been some sort of object of phallic significance or worship. Upon closer reflection, it was noted that there are hafting marks, so little ridges that go in on the pick, which was thought to have a handle attached to it and it would have been slung very lowly onto the ground, very much like you would a hoe. So these picks were actually used to till the soil. And we know that digging sticks similarly were used to sort of aerate the soil and um, bring more, um, to be able to put more of the Murnong tubes into the ground. And so this Bogan River Peak was used very much in the same fashion. Um, I think, I don't know if you can hear it, we've turned down the soundscape here in this space. Yeah? It is an integral part of this exhibition and I wanted you all to be able to still hear it because Jonathan wants everyone to hear it and see it as a work of art. Now what you hear in this piece are birds. You'll hear the grinding of stones, seeds, and you'll hear the words buna, bunanga, and other words in Wiradjuri spoken by Stan Grant Senior. And Stan Grant Senior is a Wiradjuri elder and he's quite integral in the revival of the language. As a young boy, he was forbidden from speaking the language. And for the last 30 years, he spent his time reviving the language through the compilation of dictionaries, apps, but also working with artists like Jonathan Jones to bring the language into our consciousness, to be familiar with the spoken word. And he says the word buna buna, and we know that means abundance, abundance of food, abundance of resources. But when it's doubled up like that, the meaning intensifies. And it actually means burning and the creation of ashes. And for many of you, I th you would know that burning off country is really important to maintaining um, a clean slate, so to speak, to encourage new growth. And this idea of burning off country is not something new because Thomas Mitchell also commented in his field diaries of the importance. And I'll read you a quote 
by him. Fire, grass, kangaroos and human inhabitants seem all dependent on each other for existence in Australia. For any one of these wanting, the others could no longer continue. Fire is necessary to burn the grass and form these open forests in which we find the large forest kangaroo. The native then applies that fire to the grass at certain seasons in order to take a young green crop that may subsequently spring up and so attract and enable to kill or take the kangaroo with nets. In the summer, the burning of the long grass also discloses vermin, birds' nests, etc., on which the females and children will chiefly burn the grass and then feed. Please note that this is a quote of its time, so some of the language used in that is not necessarily how we would um, now speak. So by using Wiradjuri as well in this um, exhibition, Jonathan wants to remind us of the knowledge that exists, that is still there with many of our elders and whom we should be listening to. This is an incre incredibly dense exhibition and I do encourage you all to read the wall labels and spend some time to really immerse yourself in the soundscapes. And for many of you who spend a lot of time interrogating works in our collection, you'll all be familiar with how Australian identity has really been um, formed around landscape. And as Australian identity has also been formed around agriculture and what it means to be Australia through working the land. And we see through books like Dark Emu or The Greatest Estate, and exhibitions such as this start to question the last 200 years of agriculture. And we see evidence in these paintings and in the written words of how this country was abundant pre prior to a colonised agriculture. And as Uncle Badger Bates noted in his talk about his work in Tarnandi, but downstairs. He said, this is the time that we should all come together and work together, listen, and perhaps bring back some of the older ways of managing and maintaining the landscape. And to close, I think for me, it makes me think of even um, the famous quote by the astrophysicist Carl Sagan about cherishing and preserving the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. So while this might seem like a sad exhibition at times, it's also, I think, a hopeful one and a very timely one. I feel very privileged to have worked with Jonathan um, in bringing this exhibition together. So I might leave it here, but... Um, for those hungry for more information, there is a small little catalogue that has been produced by the Museum of Economic Botany, and it's available for purchase in the store. There's also our Tarnandi catalogue, and those that are even more hungry, I've done a question and answer segment in the next AXA magazine with Jonathan. Um, so thank you all for joining me. Hope you get to enjoy some lunch, which I'm definitely ready for. 
and I will be available for a few minutes privately to answer some questions. Thank you.